to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. We analyze evangelical media, mostly from the 80s and 90s. This season is the seventh season, and it's called I Went to the Movies Without You. This is the finale of I Went to the Movies Without You. Season seven of the Prophetic Imagination Station, where... We've been talking about... Christian movies. <laughs> wow, we were so good at that. I was like, how long will you go with me? <laughs> really quick. Who are you? I am Crispin Mayfield, a therapist and author. Oh my gosh. Someone recently told me, like, you have to update it that you are also a writer. It's wild. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. So Christmas book, uh, Attached to God comes out in less than a month. Mm-hmm. It's a really easy date to remember. Two twenty-two twenty-two. So on a Tuesday. So, wow. <laughs> so awesome. So many twos. So you're an attachment therapist. You work with couples a lot, actually. I do. Mm-hmm. So you are basically an expert in all things love and romance and attachment, right? You tell me. You're married to me. Well, I'm a bad sample size. I mean, I think you are. But yes, you are an expert in those things. Um, uh, I'm Danielle Mayfield. I write as Danielle Mayfield. I'm Christman's wife. But I'm a lot more than that, right? Yes. But in the context of redeeming love... I am your wife and nothing more. And my desire is I prefer to please the, you. <laughs> I prefer the term bride. I'm going to be one of those. My oh, beautiful bride. Yeah. So I have, I have something of like a activist bent. Really what I would say is I, I'm just trying to make sure people's pain is taken seriously. Right? And the suffering of the world is taken seriously. And so sometimes I get myself into these situations like... When it comes to redeeming love, um, we knew this movie was going to be coming out. We mm-hmm. knew it would be a, a kind of a good finale to our season seven, where we take turns watching Christian movies, Christian adjacent movies, describing them to each other. So Did the- we know that it was going to be as steamy as it was? Well, I mean, when I first saw the trailer, well, the first thing I heard about redeeming love, which made me really excited, is that somebody from Dairy Girls was going to be in it. Did you see somebody from Dairy Girls? I did. I was hoping you had forgotten and I was going to whip that out. Don't say whip it out. (laughs) Anyways, that's the first thing I remember. The second thing I remember was Roma Downey is like executive producing it. And she is better known as Monica from Touched by an Angel. Oh, so Monica, an angel from heaven, is like producing this, and a Dairy Girls in it as a washed up prostitute, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So, my but most of my thoughts were like, "Oh, this is intriguing." And then when I saw the trailer, you know, at some point I was like, "Oh, this is sexy," and I don't (laughs) actually enjoy sexy movies. So maybe we should just put that out there. But I had some pretty like. Yeah, this is going to be awkward. This is going to be weird. Um, and then I started reading the book just right. to research it for, you know, this, because I was going to go see the movie. So I started reading the book. Um, plus, our next season, here's a plug, is going to be on Christian romance. So I'm like, perfect. This is a perfect mm-hmm. transition. Well, Crispin, do you want to tell people what happened when I started reading the book Redeeming Love, which came out in 1991? And every 
girl of my generation and their mom and grandma read it, basically, if you're in white evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you read it. Uh-huh. You had a little bit of a breakdown, which is a totally normal response. Thank you. And I think it was a combination of rereading this thing that was really significant. Not to me. Right. But within white female yes. evangelicalism. Yes. Right, it's, yes. It's a, it's a huge deal. That was very important to the community we grew up in. Yeah. And I think the other piece, if I could reflect back what I heard from you. Okay. Yes. Go into that. I love it. <laughs> was you were getting a lot of different feedback from people. And so that is really hard to process is like some people were like, oh my gosh, this was terrible and really harmful to me. And some people were like, when I was like at my deepest, darkest points, this book saved my life. Right? Yeah, so I had posted just a pic of the cover of the book, Redeeming Love, on Instagram and um, was just asking people, like, did you grow up reading this book? Did you read this book? And, um, you know, out of my sample size or whatever, more people had read the book than had it. And I was really unprepared for people to send me their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be really honest right now. Even as I'm talking about this. Uh, my throat feels like it's going to close up <laughs> because uh, I experienced anxiety and sort of panic attacks. So, yeah, so that's why I'm like, it's actually not funny to me anymore. And it's, it's hard to like laugh about it because reading the book and then having my DMs just be filled with stories of women saying this book was given to me to convince me to stay with an abusive husband. Mm. That that's not like one story that's like many 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 stories and so i think i was just blindsided by you know how this book has been used within christian patriarchy to kind of groom women um to accept uh authoritarian male rule and mm. abuse and and to receive it gratefully as christian love so mm, wow. that is not funny right. that's not sexy um, I think the other thing that just sort of blew my mind was like a lot of people do find this extremely romantic, very sexy, very titillating. So that's where I'm like, is there something like really wrong with me? Because I feel like I want to vomit and my throat feels awful mm. right now. Have you, have you ever heard someone have a slight panic attack on a podcast? Well, it's happening now. So I'm just going to try and stay grounded. Um, but here's the deal. I knew I could not go to the theater <laughs> to see this movie. So, Crispin, uh-huh. you stepped in and you went and I you did. saw in the theaters yesterday. Me I want a hear, bunch of middle aged. Set the scene. What was it like? <laughs> it was, well, first of all, before we forget, we've already mentioned abusive marriages. Oh, trigger warnings. Yes. Last time, no, no, last time, remember, uh, last episode, we were like, big trigger warning on this. Next episode will be different. Well, it's not different. And also, I guess to be specific about what trigger warnings. Right. So, um, definitely sexual assault, Uh abusive relationships, and childhood sexual abuse, which I was not prepared for going in. But then there's the secondary trigger warning, which is... This being romanticized and mm-hmm. seen um, as godly. And so all of this abusive male behavior, not all of it, 
but you know, it's right. supposed to be like here was a young girl who was abused horribly as a kid, then she is finally, you know, broken in a way by a godly relationship. But it's all it's all abuse. It's all abuse. So right. one's just godly and one's not. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So there's my thesis. Okay. So if any well, of that triggers you. <laughs> yeah. Like it's triggering me. And I don't even have a history of that. I just I've just heard the stories enough by now mm-hmm. that it is weighing heavily on me. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I went in your stead. To Redeeming Love. To Redeeming Love. It was sparsely attended. Good. And we don't want COVID. No. And the um, I ended up with two different seats because of an error in the um, buying my tickets online. You're just, you're just making room for the Holy Spirit. Right. The two seats that I chose uh-huh. were right next to one middle-aged woman. Why did you do that? Or she chose She chose them. No. The whole row. No. The whole freaking row was So you watched it with a middle-aged woman by your side that No, was- I was like I'm going to sit like four seats away and if someone comes in and says like sorry that's my seat I'll be like I'm really sorry. <laughs> so nobody came in. It literally was like the whole row was open except the two of us. And for some reason, she chose right in between the two seats that I had chosen. Oh. Anyway. Um, and it was the same feeling as going to see American Underdog, which we talked about a couple of episodes back of, um, you know, the the cheesy jokes, lots of cheesy jokes. Yeah. Um, and people... Uh, you know, middle-aged folks laugh. You know, things like him, uh, the main character, being like, Lord, you know, I just, I want a woman that l- likes to fish and has long legs. And everybody laughed, you know. Ugh. Um, at the end. Okay, you're just sort of setting the scene still because you have to recap this. Yes, book, you know? totally. And that's actually the thing is that you read the book. Uh-huh. I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of comparing notes here as well. Yeah. Right. So we're both we're both bringing something to the, something to this conversation. But what I want to do is I'm going to plug my ears. Okay. And you're going to do your 30 second recap okay. without me listening. Okay. And then when you're done, you'll wave at me. And then I plug my ears. Well, you don't need to plug your ears because you already said. Okay. You know, you already said it. But Ooh. I'm afraid that I'm going to be influenced by you. That's good. That's good. Also, you you cannot talk for five minutes about the recap because that's something you do. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I'm going to plug my ears while you do it, but you can respond to me in real time. Okay, okay. I just, I'm an Enneagram 9 and I yeah. know that my my uh, story will get influenced by you. Okay, I'm going to try and do a factual retelling, not how I feel about it retelling. Okay. Plug ears. All right. Okay, so Redeeming Love is a story of Sarah, who uh, was born to a mistress. This is like 1800s, Gold Rush, California. She ends up getting sold into like child sex trafficking, abuse, becomes a prostitute later in life. This man named Michael Hosea, who's a godly man, sees her one day on her daily walks. God tells, tells him to marry her. He marries her while she's unconscious. She had just gotten beat up by a guard. Uh, takes her back to his little cabin, basically tries to force her to love him. She keeps running away because she wants her own life. She wants money. She just wants to live alone. And he keeps saying, no, 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 no. God said, you're supposed to be my wife. Keep coming back to me. He keeps like finding her and dragging her back. And then finally, she's like, okay, I love you. And I love God. And I'm never leaving ever again. All right. 
You did it? Yes. Okay. I feel depressed just doing that. Okay. Okay. You go. All right. So basically, it's this woman that has experienced a lot of trauma named Angel. And then, and she's, uh, all the men in this- uh, What's her real name, though? Sarah. We don't find that out to the end. Oh. Not in the book. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Keep going. Angel is this uh, sex worker in a Wild West town uh, where every man uh, wants to have sex with her. And so then there's this guy that is called by God to marry her. He goes and says, I want to marry you. She says, everyone says that all the time. She's creeped out. She says, go away. He doesn't, which is not okay. Oh, sorry. I'm not saying how I feel about it. Right, right. Um, and eventually she tries to leave. She gets beaten up. He shows up and is like, well, I will pay for you and I will take you away. He takes her away. She goes back a couple of times to try to make money. Um, and then he is a dipshit and says, uh, I want to have kids. And she's like, well, I can't have kids. And he's like, well, maybe uh, nothing's impossible. Then she runs away again. But this time she uh, gets captured by this person that um, owned like pimped her uh, when she was a kid and she's about to get killed by him and she tells everyone that he abuses little girls. The whole town hangs him. Um, And also within that, God says, God comes here and says, like, tell this whole crowd that he's abusing little girls. She does. They kill him. She gets away and then she starts in a shelter uh, for girls that are coming out of prostitution and then she ends up hearing like, oh, Michael still wants you. And she's like, oh. And then she goes back to him and then they, uh, you know, that's kind of the romantic piece. Oh. So I thought, I felt it was, act- I mean, I left out some of the details, but um, some people, some of the hosts on this podcast think that I get bogged down in the details. <laughs> You did good. So kid. there, good. there's an overview for you. Okay, yeah, I can definitely hear some differences between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that here's the here's the deal. I did not finish the book, Crispin, but you know how many pages I read, and I can't skim things. I can't skim things if I'm trying to look for abuse. Oh. I read 320 pages of this myth, okay. and I pro- and I have missed. Like 150. So oh, okay. I didn't read the end, but I, I became so bogged down by it that I, I couldn't. And mm. looking at the ending, um, it seems like Michael, basically, Michael Hosea, because um, this, okay, here's the other thing. This book is supposed to be an allegory of the book of Hosea in the Bible, mm-hmm. which, um, to be perfectly honest, I don't know a lot about that book. I will be talking to Hosea scholars for the episode of this for Christian romance, where we actually focus on the book more. Um, what do you know about the book of Hosea? Um, that it's a, that it itself is sort of an allegory, right? For God and Israel, where God tells a prophet to go marry a prostitute. Yeah. Right. And she, and she does leave him several times mm-hmm. and I think has kids from other men and stuff like that. Too. Right. Uh huh. And, and so, yeah, really so it's hurt. about like, Israel's unfaithfulness to God, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's probably stuff about idolatry in there. So, yeah, the book of Hosea, this is like a dramatic retelling. Um, Francine Rivers was like a romance novelist who became born again. And then this was the first book she wrote after becoming a Christian. So she was like, this is kind of like my story or not her story, but like, you know. 
So the mm. women who love this book are like, oh, it just made me fall in love with the scriptures. Like, I can tell you the story of Hosea backwards and forwards. It's such a good thing. And I'm like, I don't think this is a good <laughs> allegory. I, I don't think it's a good. And there's one reason why I say that. But I just want to hear you talk. I heard I heard chatter on the internet um, that this the movie does tone down the more problematic elements okay. of this. Yeah. And I even texted you at the end, toward the end of the movie. And I was like, actually, I think this isn't terrible. And like, I, I'm so hesitant to say this. Yes. I'm upset. If we were talking about like trauma informed theology, I would be like, let's watch this movie and talk about it. This is actually a good launching off point. Now what's problematic at the beginning, you know, Michael Hosea, um, is persistent um, in the same way uh, that Kurt Warner was um, in <laughs> American Underdog. <laughs> so the football movie, right? So <laughs> there is this dynamic of like him continually showing up, um, but really, there's not a lot of emphasis on um, him being hurt. It doesn't, and I'll just like put my cards on the table. I don't think I'm a good sample size for this movie because I'm watching it as a therapist. Okay. And so I was trying to look at like I think I think as different than a book where there's a lot more meaning making if you're just watching the story, right? You don't know the internal dialogue, you don't know like people's motivations necessarily. And so what you see a lot from him is like you see, there's one scene where he's crying. Okay. But generally he's just like I mean, he says a lot of times, like, it's her choice. Like, she can stay here or she can go. And to me, it, it I mean, she, when she is beaten up and, and just, like, really injured, she says, sure, I'll marry you. And then right after, she's like, I, you don't want to marry me. And so, like, all along, there's no, like, actual point where she says, yes, I want to be married to you. Like, you don't get a sense that she's committed to this relationship. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, I, and again, maybe that's like my therapist, like lens of like, oh yeah, like she's never said that she's committed to this. So how could it be unfaithfulness? I could see how he would be hurt because they have a relationship. They've spent time together. They've been farming together for a while. Right. Um, but, and then she leaves, like that would hurt anyone, but it doesn't feel like the betrayal of like you know, unfaithfulness in a marriage. Yeah, so she leaves to go be a prostitute? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and then she also leaves, she leaves once to go be a prostitute. Um, yeah, and, and that's one of the things we talked about is she's just like, I just want my own cabin, I want my place, and I want to be left alone. Yeah. And actually, in the movie, he does a really good job of that. He's just always, like, hands off, like, I don't want to have sex with you. I know you've been used before. Like, they do have sex, but it feels very uh, it feels very consensual. And it's, like, after a lot of time of him being, like, I don't want to, like, re-traumatize you. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that's just so fascinating, right? There's some, like, actual sexy, sexy, sexy time uh-huh. into this... I mean, I was describing it to you. I was like, okay, so first of all, can is it okay if I take yeah, over here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we were trying to figure out who is this movie for because yeah. there's probably a good 10 minutes of her topless with her nipples covered by her hair. But you can see the rest of the boobs. Yes, right. Um, and so, you know, it's this like, you know, 
middle-aged people laughing about the cheesy jokes at the end. Yeah, uh, there was it was in the theater. <laughs> very quiet. I mean, just to give you like a picture, I, and I'm afraid I'll leave this out if I don't say it now. At the end, there was applause, and someone yelled out, Jesus loves us so much, like in the theater. Someone yelled that out. Such a Christian thing to do. Right. So that's the crowd that's there, right? And she's just like topless half the time. Um, Janie. He pays to see her, but he doesn't, you know, do anything with her. He just tells her. What does he tell her? He just says, like, I want to marry you. And she's like, I've had a lot of proposals this week. God told me to marry you. He no, he doesn't. But then, like later, she's like, "Well, if God told you to marry me, so like it, he doesn't say that part. He just like tries to get to know her. What's your name? Blah blah blah. And she's like, you know, you can call me whatever you want. What do you want to do? Okay, um, tell me what you're gonna say, and then I have to come back. Okay, Jamie Lee O'Donnell, who is in Dairy Girls, uh-huh. says the word bitch. You know, so like there's swearing. There's like swearing. That. Um, there's nudity and then there's, yeah, then they're like in their cabin halfway through the movie, she like lifts up her skirt. Mm -hmm. He unbuckles his pants. Mm -hmm. He like, you can see her body moving with his thrusts. Mm -hmm. Like it is. And then there's another scene where they're on a hilltop. She takes off her dress. What? Uh, yeah, you can see it in the. Uh, she still has like a, a corset on underneath, okay. but if you see her in the sunlight wearing a corset, that's because she has taken off her. She has climbed on top of him while he's laying down and taken off her dress. Yeah. Okay. So I just feel like <laughs> it's too much to unpack for me. Just like this is like way more sex. In a movie that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it sounds like it. This is not Marvel movie. No, right. Okay, so I looked it up on Crosswalk. You know, Crosswalk is like a Christian website. Uh I know. I just wrote a blog for them to promote my my book. Four things about redeeming love. The movie based on Francine Rivers' popular novel, okay? Okay. One is it's based on a bestseller and inspired by scripture. It's allegorical powerful that's number two mm-hmm. number three is it's excellent but then <laughs> we get to point number four point number four says it pushes the envelope okay <laughs> so thankfully the film contains no full nudity uh largely the sexual content is off-screen and implied still it can be titillating let me read this uh-huh. in one scene michael's fully clothed when he visits her but she is nude with her hair covering her breast you already said that okay mm-hmm. And then the movie's lone bedroom scene pushes the envelope. Okay, I can't read all of this, but it's it's like how do I want to know how they describe okay. it? They said they kiss and begin undressing. They embrace. Their hips thrust. They breathe heavily. They fall to the bed with his hand covering her breast, lasting about two minutes. It's not a short scene either, even if everything stays covered. A movie whose core message isn't about sex suddenly becomes although briefly, about sex. No doubt it's depicting a sexual relationship within the biblical bonds of marriage, but God didn't intend such encounters to be recorded and broadcast to the world. Okay? That scene should have been left on the cutting room floor, is the consensus Uh. of crosswalk. (laughs) I mean, I'm thinking about this because the way that it's been marketed is like, this is a really romantic movie. Yeah. I've heard two different places um saying this is a romantic movie. Okay. So and and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but if you are c- 
coming to this on a date night with with your partner, you know, your Christian partner, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a romantic movie. One, yeah. tons of sexual trauma. Like, that is, like, I was just thinking about women who are sitting through this, like, how... I'm I'm assuming that a lot of women would be triggered by this yeah. um, that have experienced sexual assault, which we know is one in three. Two is like then there's this other piece of like, you know, the awkwardness if you're a Christian couple, and then there's just like all this nudity like <laughs> that. I think for a lot of Christian couples, well, it's got to be so confusing because like all growing up, you're just told to stay away from anything like that. Right. So I exactly. Think that must be confusing. Yeah. Like, are Christians going to tell single people not to watch that? I'm just wondering. Right. Uh huh. You know, it's fine for middle-aged married ladies to mm-hmm. to watch it, but. All that is very confusing, but honestly, it's sort of secondary. Like, it's intriguing, right. but it's not really... I feel like, <laughs> okay, I just had, like, a vision of, like, if this had come out 20 years later, or earlier, okay. this would have been, like, the VHS that was, like, in your home library that, as, like, a 13-year-old boy, you, like, got out when your parents weren't home and watched Well, what a piece of your mind, Crispin. I'm just kidding. No, totally. Right? Sometimes I'm like, I'm just so intrigued by that element, but again... That's not really, you know, the reason reading the sex scenes in the book icked me out so bad is because they're so abusive. Mm. And so... In what sense? Well, for one, in the book, Angel gets... Angel's, Angel's basically like passively suicidal, so she eggs on her bodyguard to the point where he... Tries to kill her and beats mm-hmm. her up really bad. So then mm-hmm. Michael Mosea comes, sees that she's really beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, she's basically unconscious, barely, barely conscious. And so he pays for her, takes her to a a preacher. They get married, but she can't remember any of it. So mm-hmm. he basically marries her. Well, she's like, so that's not mm-hmm. consent in any way, right. shape, or mm-hmm. form. She wakes up, you know, in this cabin with this guy, who you know the whole time is like, "You're married to me now. This is it. Like you can never, you know." Wow. escape my love and blah 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 you know and he he for a while he doesn't have sex with her but finally he does because he's trying to wait until she's in love with him but then mm. i guess he forgets about that and then when they have sex he's like forcing her to say his name because mm. she calls him mister and oh, like stuff gosh. like that right yeah oh then my god. later on I, they have more consensual sex and he's really focused on helping her have pleasure for the first time because she, you know, her whole life is about giving other people pleasure. Wait, so that's what is like in this book? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but so if Michael Jose is, that's what's so confusing. If he's supposed to be a flawed man, I guess I can see there's like a trajectory. But if it includes like sexually assaulting a person you married while they were unconscious and forcing them to mm-hmm. say your name and look at you while you're having sex with them. Mm-hmm. And this person has experienced tons of trauma. I-, I think at that point, I'm just like, what, wait, what's happening? Like, right. I, ca- I can't do this. And then, um, you know, there's lots more things, but there, yeah. there is a passage in the book, right? Where she, she keeps running away from him and horrible things keep happening to her, but she just wants to be alone and live at peace. You know, mm-hmm. and he keeps saying, well, I'm giving that to you here. And it's just like, 
are you not listening to her? Like, mm-hmm. you, nobody is listening to her. Like, mm-hmm. that's all she wants. And at the end of the book, this is what I read, the synopsis, because I, I didn't finish the book, but, you know, she ends up actually starting a home for sex workers, you know, mm-hmm. so that they can have a place to go. And he comes and takes her away from that at the end, too. And it's like, mm-hmm. so women are not allowed to have their own dreams. They're not allowed to be alone. They're not allowed to be unmarried. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to start a nonprofit. Like, <laughs> right. her... her only true place is to be by his side mm. in his house, his wife accepting his love. Mm. Right? Yeah, right. And there were That's elements. Really That's really bad. Right, that is really bad. There there were elements of that in the movie. At one point, uh, she says, I'm going to leave. I'm going back to paradise, right? Basically back to like to earn money it's so, so that I can. Because the town's name is called Paradise, mm-hmm. but it's spelled P-A-I-R. A D I C E, like I right. got a paradise in my pocket. Right, which I didn't even know until I read reviews. So funny. Um, and so, you know, he says, like, you know, 19 miles is that way, uh, is paradise, and one mile this way, because he kind of chases after her, one mile this way is food and shelter and your husband. Yeah. That's what it is. Your husband. Right. And he says, God but- has given you. <laughs> But I feel like after that, he's just sort of like, yeah, you can make your choice. And he almost is like, in a really, what feels to me like a really healthy way, he's just like, not very impassioned about it. You know, like, he's just sort of like, yeah. In, yeah. The, book, in the book, she rouses him up to the point where he's like, I wish I could kill her. If I start hitting her, I won't stop. Like, oh stuff my like gosh. That. Yeah. This was... In the book, Crispin. Right. He's the... He's supposed to for a profit, right? He's well, and represents God. People aren't gonna believe me, but um, I think maybe for one of our patron only podcasts, like I'm gonna have to read some of these passages because, right? Like, yeah, it's just like if I start hitting her, I'll never stop. But I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, what? Right? Yeah, I he mean, so much control that he doesn't hit her, Crispin, mm-hmm. and he waits like two more weeks till she wants to have sex and then has sex with her again. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, what? yeah, this is that is different in the movie. It's I mean, like he's. This- perfect oh anyway. i mean it is annoying that like he is annoyingly perfect in the movie the when we're where we meet him is yeah. in the chapel mm-hmm. he's saying god thank you for the farm and my animals and he starts tearing up and then he starts walking out yeah. the door and then he comes back and he's like and i want a wife that likes fishing with long legs um this is the last scene of the movie her fishing with him uh-huh. Oh no. Yes. Okay, but that being said, okay. so I I actually feel like this is like actual Okay, so one thing that I think makes it different. I could be wrong. I didn't read the book. But if you've seen Anne with an E, yeah. right? There it brings this different dimension because we see Anne this is from like the a cl- modern retelling of Anne of Green Gables. Right, yeah. Right. So Anne of Green Gables, we see you know, this classic character, but in the Netflix series, we see lots of traumatic flashbacks, yeah. right? And that's the same thing here. So, like, whenever she does something, you see a f- traumatic flashback. So, she has, like, nightmares, and she's like, don't touch me. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Like, And so, you see him, like, responding to her trauma. Yeah. And, like, they end up meeting this other family that moves near them. And there's a young woman about her age, and her, the young woman's like, oh, I want to be your friends. And she was like, what? And so it is kind of this beautiful thing of, like, 
yeah, when you've been traumatized and then you get into, into a healthy community, it's like, what, people want to like actually like me for me, not for my body, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think, though, the, the frame, right, of this is like 1800s Gold Rush, California, like, is there any healthy community for a woman who is a sex worker back then? No. No, right. And so I feel like the romanticization of that is where we get into some problems. Now, on Twitter... You said this movie really wasn't that bad, and I just have a few clarifying questions for you. Okay, Okay. like how how does the movie deal with like why does Michael fall in love with her? Like walk me through that. Well, yeah. So that part is praying to God for a wife, right? Mm -hmm. Um, he's he's praying to God for a wife, and then he sees her walking down the street. Okay, and he says like, "All right, God, that's her." And then the guy next to him is like, who the hell are you talking to? And he's like, no one. So he sees that she's pretty. Uh-huh. And he tells God. Right. That's my wife. Uh-huh. Okay, tell me more. Tell okay, me more. So, so the first half is problematic. Okay. <laughs> tell me what happens next. Okay, so then he goes, He well, this is another piece, is that the, the men of the town have to raffle to spend time with her. So there's like a hundred men... And there's a raffle, and he continually gets a raffle. And that's not really, like, explicit in the movie, but you're like, oh, because she's like you again. That's not a part of the book. So there's this divine, like... Oh, so it's like God is letting me... Right, like... I'm with you. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Like, why else would one guy continually, out of a hundred, continually get chosen? Um, And so... And then, yeah, basically, you know, he keeps on saying, I want to marry you. And she, of course, is like, everyone says that. And in her mind, Mm -hmm. right, and I think I really appreciate that this comes out in the book, is like, yeah, you just want to marry me so you can have sex with me however you want and whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Right? That is why you want to marry me. Right. And so... It's a huge theme of the book. Like, he is so sexually attracted to her. mm -hmm. He has to restrain himself all the time. Yeah, it's funny. That's not in the movie. The movie's like, he's like, no, that's not why I want to marry you. And I know women like that. They like a man who has to restrain his mm-hmm. sexual urges, but I'm j- I just don't get it. I mean, he he does like jump in the lake at some point, but that's sort of like... It, like a Mr. Darcy move. Yeah, it feels like it's like they're both laying there and she's like, I want to have sex with you. Um, but she's kind of doing it for, oh, she says like, I owe you, I yeah. owe you, I want to have sex with you. Yeah. That's in the book a lot. Yeah. And he's like, no, like, that's not what I want from you. Like, I don't I want, want a real connection. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. You know? And then he's like, eh, I think I need to take the dog out to pee. And then he goes and jumps in the lake. But it's not like, <sighs> yeah. again, you don't, it. It's, it's, it just feels like a guy, like, right. just do it. It doesn't feel like, oh, he has this unrestrained, like... So we can get into the weeds of all that, because I think it was confusing for me, too. I was like, yeah, women deserve to have somebody um, think about their emotional health, like, mm-hmm. before having sex. Women deserve to experience pleasure and have, right. you know, their husband or partner, like, focus on that. So there's some things I was like, oh, I could see this being really you know, helpful to conservative women. Yeah. However, I think we just need to take a step back. Are you ready for me to truly and fully ruin this movie for you? Yes, true. So here's here's the deal. This is like, (laughs) this is how I think we're just so enculturated into this stuff, being raised Christian, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But if you take a step back, 
right? It's the story of a man who is named, whose last name is after a biblical character. And Michael Hosea is very aware of the story of Hosea Mm -hmm. in the scriptures, who starts living his life as if he is Hosea. So he's having these like delusions (laughs) of grandeur, right? And he sees the most famous and most expensive prostitute in his town taking her daily walks. And he's like, God told me to marry her. So in the book, that's what it is. It's God. Mm-hmm. Like he has, he has, has an inner dialogue with God. This is true in lots of Christian fiction. Uh-huh. There's so much like, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And in then, italics, right? Yeah. And then the voice of the Lord is in bold italics. Oh, okay. Michael, marry her. Uh-huh. Lord, I can't do that. Lord, why are you asking me to do this? Michael. Marry her, you know. So like that's mm-hmm. that's what's going. On. So he he has a voice from God telling him to marry, you know, mm-hmm. the sex worker, and then doesn't take no for an answer. Keeps visiting her, keeps making her uncomfortable. Um, finds her when she you know is unconscious and get and marries her mm-hmm. while she is incapable of giving consent. Like never gives her the means to be able to go to town when she says she wants to, so she has to Uh escape from him multiple times. He literally goes and like kicks open the door and like yanks her and drags her and like all this stuff, kicking Mm. and screaming back home multiple times. Yeah. So in the movie he shows up, does that right. She's in the middle of, uh, of sex work and he goes, do you want to stay here? Do you want to come home? And she was like, I want to come with you. Right. So I'm like, uh right. So I think when people are talking about like things were changed, like, yeah, that's, but that's, but that's what I'm saying is like, take a step back. And it's like, here's this guy who's aware of this biblical narrative. And then it's Mm -hmm. like, that's me too. Right. And I'm going to force this to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. but we're just so enculturated into Christian culture. We're like, yeah, people all the time say, God told (laughs) me to marry you. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. Stand out as weird to you. But, Anybody outside of white evangelicalism is like, that's bad. That's, uh-huh. You say that and you are 100% getting into an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Like 100%, Crispin. Right. I mean, we know this from personal yes. experience. Not that's, with each that's other. That's what I'm saying. Like, we just need to be like any movie <laughs> or anything, even if it's like way more tame than the book, it's still fundamentally at its core, like a patriarchal fever dream mm-hmm. right right yeah and the only way this woman can be redeemed is by this man mm-hmm. kind of breaking her spirit mm-hmm. and then she becomes a christian i believe at the end i don't know mm-hmm. is there sort of like a conversion scene in the in the movie? yeah i mean that's what's really interesting um i really hated this um she is she gets recaptured by the pimp that like uh, that abused her when she was a kid. Probably because she ran away. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and again, actually, she's running away. Oh my gosh. Okay. In order to live alone or start a home that helps other sex workers. Right. Yes. Which exactly. The movie, or at least the book, is like she's so rebellious. She's so sinful. She's so awful. I'm like, she's literally just trying to be alone and to help other women. Right. And it's shown as like sinful, rebellious, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. And, Again, like, I don't, I, that, I feel like that didn't come out in the movie, but I'm like, maybe that's because I'm a therapist and I am just like seeing her. But everything you see is like, like even her running away for the last time, he says, I love you and I want to have kids with you. 
and she says, and then there's a flashback to her being forcefully sterilized by her pimp. Right. This sucks, man. And so she runs away. And so, and so clearly in that moment, it's like, it's not her being rebellious. It's like, you want kids and I can't give that to you. So I, you know, I'm going to run away. Um, and at the very end, it does say, I'm sorry, all the ways I've hurt you and I've needed forgiveness. And so that is really terrible. But I feel like that's not a constant theme. Yeah. So I'm going to read something because you are a therapist. This is not how most people are going to experience it. So I'm going to read again from Crosswalk. Okay. Okay. So this is what they say. On the surface, Redeeming Love, and again, this is about the movie, not the book. Redeeming Love is a story about tragedy, self-worth, and the love of a man named Michael Hosea. Allegorically, though, the movie's message soars. That's because it's a story about all of us and our depravity, hopelessness, and continual desire to return to the sin that doomed us. Uh, So it says, every time Angel runs away and returns to her old ways, you scream in your mind to Michael, she's not worth it! But then you remember... Angel's story is our story. And so, that's... So the way they're framing it is how most Christians are going to be watching this Christmas. Right, exactly. So, right. So that's where I'm like, I think that I'm not... Like, you can't trust me on this because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I, everyone's watching this the way that I'm watching it, right? But no. Um, what? So, so I don't go, know if it's because the book colored them. I don't think so. But it's like, excuse me, continual desire to return to the sin that doomed us. That is how it is framed in the book. Angel just freaking loves having sex with men. She doesn't. Mm-hmm. But like that's what it keeps saying over right. and over again. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like well, it's the only way for her to make money. Right. And she's has a life of trauma. Like mm-hmm. Well, like um so uh one th- one thing it's funny because like I don't I see him as the love interest and I see God as the savior. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain that, okay? It doesn't need explaining. <laughs> well, like, so he actually, like, get, he's like, okay, like, I'm not going to bother her anymore. She told me not to bother her. And then God says, go to her now. And it's right after she's been beaten up. And that really seems to be, like, a good move within this system, right? Of, like, what do you do? He pays for her. He does marry her. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't say like, now you're married, you're stuck. He's just like, yeah, if you want to stay married, you can, if you don't, that's okay too. Um, so it really does feel like this stepping stone out of this oppressive system. And then what happens at the end is he, she gets captured by this pimp. She's out on stage at this bar. Um, and it's actually, then she says, God, I believe in you. She had given up her faith when her mom died, of course, like, you know, she's like, you're saying that God l- hears prayers, but God did not, did not hear my right, mom's prayers. Valid right. Yeah. Question. Yeah, exactly. And so then her mom shows up and her mom says, tell them the truth. Her but mom shows up to what? Sh- sorry. Her mom shows up in a vision from God. Oh. So, you know, it's her mom, but it's God saying like, tell them the truth. So she stands up there and says, Duke, who's the pimp, fancies little girls. And then the whole crowd turns on him. Which is so interesting, because isn't she like 17 or 18 in the book? Yeah, uh-huh. So she's basically a kid. Right, and uh-huh. And don't care about that. Right. Um, and, and of course, like you're like, well, who would believe her? But then they, um, there are two girls that escape from a room that are eight and nine years oh, old. Oh, jeez. And so then... Every, and you, I mean, like, you hear, like, you hear girls 
those those girls, you see them and then you hear them screaming in the room next oh door and then she gets thrown into like a PTSD flashback. Oh, no. oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like this is not like romantic date night. Like this is um Yeah, you're like this is a movie about trauma. There's some interesting things. But- right. I really like that part about like it's the truth that's saving and like speaking up about this whole system of abuse. I really appreciate it. One of the things too that I feel like they don't present her as a as a rebel, as a sinful woman, right? She tries to get she gets a ride into town with the brother in law of Michael. Uh-huh. Right. And he says, You owe me. And she says, I'll do whatever I can to to get a ride. And like that, I know in the book is framed as her being unfaithful. In the movie, it's like he sexually exploited her and assaulted her, and he needs forgiveness from her. Oh. So like I feel like there's like a lot of like reframing of like she's really just trying to get by. She tries to become a cook at one point, um, mm-hmm. and but the pimp burns down the place. Like, I I think the the story overall like frames her as like just a trauma survivor. It is problematic because she does end up like her salvation is having kids. You know, she has kids and is fishing with a family. That being said... Oh, yeah, so that's another thing that's kind of annoying, right? Like, right. she had a forced hysterectomy or forced sterilization. Mm-hmm. Also, I think she had a forced abortion, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe multiple. And then God right. heals her and right, she's yeah. able to have kids. Which, again, most people are like, that's great, but it's really hard on people who are... Right, I was thinking. I was thinking about that. Christian, then everything. Right, and what I mean, I still stand by the fact that he's a dipshit. Like, who says like when when your wife says like I don't think I can get pregnant or I can't get pregnant? Who says like well nothing's impossible? Yeah, right. Um, That's what good Christian men would say. Oh my gosh, Uh, it's yeah the. The thing that I that I think is really different and significant is she does start the shelter, and then she runs into someone that knows the brother. She runs into the brother in law actually, and he says he's still waiting for you, and she makes the choice to go to him. And the brother does the brother in law in the movie rape her. Yes, he does. Okay, so that's also in the book, and it's just seen as like. She must have liked it, and she mm. must have. And I'm just like, yeah. And in the movie is. Right. In the movie, she is like broken. Like she is yeah. clearly traumatized by that experience. Here's the he thing. He lives with Right. He lives with it. And- right. And it is really it is really messed up because uh Michael then says, like, well, I've forgiven him. Right. And um and that's not okay. So this is Michael's brother in law. So Michael's right. sister died. Right. So his brother in law ends up Right, living with him. Here's the other... her as she's trying to escape because Michael won't freaking drive her Mm -hmm. into town. Right. It's all so messed up. Yeah, and here's the other thing. This family moves there. Right. I don't know about this. Yeah, and... Tell the listener. And uh, brother-in-law remarries the daughter of this family. Who's like 16 or 17. Right. I looked up the ages of the actors. He's 45, she's 18. And this is someone that has already sexually assaulted someone in the story. Right. It is. Christian, it's so messed up. It is really messed um, up. So here's one one thing I do want to say is like I think the framework is rotten because mm-hmm. it's tying men and their redeeming love 
to God and Michael Hosea to the allegory of the book Hosea, all this stuff. It's, um, you know, conflating sin with trauma responses, Mm -hmm. um, which is really bad. However, I I recognize that I am not like an expert on the romance genre. So I think both (laughs) of us have already sort of articulated, there's some discomfort here because there's some things that could be good and helpful, Mm -hmm. but then it's in this framework that gets really messy and, and, uh, you know, condones abuse and, and actually can groom women to expect and, uh, gratefully embrace abuse right Mm -hmm. so i keep thinking about this bell hooks interview she did about harlequin romance novels she was she read like two a day or something wait not two a day (laughs) day. (laughs) wow how did she get anything else done um well wait oh no it is this is from washington post in 1999 it says feminist author bell hooks has a love jones for harlequin romance for more than 20 years. She says she still got about a two a day habit. Okay. So she says that, and you know, Bell Hook, she just passed away. Mm-hmm. It was a very famous black feminist radical author. Mm-hmm. You know, she said that Harlequin romance novels served as an important fantasy vehicle that offers an escape route for women trapped in dysfunctional families. Not because someday your prince will come, but because you will triumph over it and it will all come out right in the end. And so she, she and many others get really upset when we just degrade romance books um, because women read them, you know? So Mm. she says, um, you know, these kinds of books are fantasy, but they offer a moment of restoration. The central therapeutic message in Harlequin romance is that you will not be abandoned. Hmm. And basically saying like women find resilience in them um, to, to ultimately love themselves Hmm. and to save themselves. Hmm. So that's really fascinating. I don't see that happening in this book for me. It depressed me to my very core. Uh Um, But I want to make space for people who can read these and utilize it in ways um, that are helpful. At the same time, I just want to say, you know, if, if the book Redeeming Love has been used to keep one woman in an abusive relationship, then, um, you know, every copy in existence should probably be burned and that movie, this movie should never be made. That's just mm-hmm. my philosophy. Uh-huh. Um, but do you have a different one, Crispin? Well, um, I was just thinking about like, what do we do with the Bible then? Uh, but, um, oh, geez. <laughs> it's so true, isn't right. it? Uh, but I stop the Bible from being used like that. I mean, here's you're right. Yeah. Here's something that I think it, along those lines is I'm trying to, I was trying to figure it out. Like what did would it mean to be a conservative person watching this? Because like, obviously the root of all the trauma is the patriarchy mm-hmm. is like, I mean, it's not just men's sexual desires, but it is the way that men well, it's aligning God with the patriarchy. Right. It's, I told Michael Hosea to marry her. Right. But it's also like, I mean, the reason she's abused is all these men and systems of men and et cetera, you know? Men suck. Right. And it's like there's this one good man, but he has to have God tell him what to do to be good. Um, so, I, you know, I think I think that was interesting. And I, I think in, it was almost a feminist movie Right, if she had just stayed at the shelter, <laughs> like right. what if he had moved there and helped her? Rather right, shelter? that would have 
But that's not how the movie ends. Get, no. Because mm-hmm. that is not how right. Christian patriarchy works. And that's exactly. just so sad. And- right. The other thing I want to talk about before we end is race in this movie. Oh, okay. Because, of course, that's like, I just, you know, we want to know, like, for a Christian movie, how is that? Um, for the first bit, there were, I don't think any, uh, I think everyone was white. Mm-hmm. Um, the first black person we see is a, um, like, a, a, what would you call it? Like a nanny for her who tells her when she's a little girl, like, men only want sex from you and they will only use you. And that's the God honest truth. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in the book, Michael Hosea, his Uh dad was a slave owner. Uh Is that in the movie? Yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Okay, Okay, so so there's that. Um, And then... and then at some point, you know, she says, well, how did you become such a God-fearing man? And um, That's what Angel says to Michael. Right. Okay. And so he says, yeah, my dad was a slave owner, um, and he gave me a young slave woman to show me the benefits of ownership. He was like, I did not sexually assault her. Um, and I told him, like, when you die, I'm going to set everyone free. And so he beat me up, and he threw me in the slave quarters. And he was like, and there I met Ezra, mm-hmm. who led me, who told me about God. So an old slave, an older enslaved man is who brought Michael Hosea. Right. To and right. Christianity. Yep. And then he, he like, like lets. common trope in some of these historical Christian works is. I know. I was trying to think through that. Like, okay. Like, so they're talking about s- sexual assault. They're talking about rape. Uh-huh. In slavery, so common. I can appreciate that. But this is all just to make Michael Hosea seem like a really great guy. Exactly. And also, like, his slave-owning dad, of course, was a Christian. Like, what do you mean that he, like... And in the book, he's like, please don't think too harshly about my dad. He was a good man. You know. Yeah. That's funny, because in the movie, it is not like that. It is like, I let Ezra go, and I ran so that my dad wouldn't kill me. Yeah, he basically was like, I ran because I didn't want to sexually assault the girl and it was tempting mm. oh wow yeah in the movie it was like he ran away because he right, let so they had to update a few things mm-hmm. it doesn't change the core right yep and then this. right then the other thing is that i'm getting agitated there to wrap this up <laughs> okay wait and then there's also a black man who um in that end scene when the town try when the town uh hangs the pimp it's a black man who like kind of hops on him and stops him so she can run away. Again, it feels like you're saying like that felt very updated. Like we need to like address race here in some way or mm-hmm. which, um, or any of the prostitutes. Yes. Asian there's American. Uh, yes. I guess. Yeah. Uh, one was Asian. Yeah. Um, talked about her dad selling her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one was black and the black woman was like, you know, uh, Angel said to stop bothering her, you can hang out with me instead. I was waiting for him to say, no, God told me to marry the white woman. <laughs> he did not. I was like, <laughs> but that's the implicit message okay. there. Okay. Well, I'm done talking about this. I don't know what else to say. I, don't I think it's been a huge hit on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, the critic score is 11%. Right. Yesterday was 13. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dropping. Dropping. But the audience score is in the 90s. So. Okay. I take back what I said. I think it just, there was a lot that you had told me that was horrific that was not in the movie. 
And I also think that the good update is they don't, I don't think that they, I think they present her as it makes a lot of sense why she does what she does. But, but like, again, maybe that's just me as a therapist. Yeah, if Crosswalk is still saying, like, you're just screaming at yourself, you know, in your head, okay. like, Angel's not worth it. Michael Jose is such a good guy, and this girl's not worth it. I'm like... Okay, I take back everything I Good! Said. You should! It's horrible. Don't let your friends see this. Um, I'm sort of mad because, you know, Christian influencers or whatever are getting paid to promote this movie, and... And, you know, women are trying to be like, this book was used in horrific ways, you know, in my life and the lives of people I know um, to convince us to stay with abusive men. Um, And people are like, oh, well, I'm sorry that happened to you, but other people liked it. And it's like a good romance. So I'm going to just keep promoting this. Mm -hmm. And, And that's where I'm just like, if one person tells you. It was used to perpetuate abuse. Like, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Don't take the money from redeeming love, people. Mm-hmm. Just don't do it. And uh, don't promote something. Right. And then I am told I am, you know, too much and expect too much from the world. And I I think that's where I just end up being like, okay, well, I, I need to go hide in my room under a blanket for like five days. Because I hate how we dismiss the pain of women mm-hmm. so easily. Mm-hmm. And this movie sort of like... You know, I, I don't know. The, the, the frustrating thing is, like, where me and conservative women overlap, right, is them telling people not to watch this movie because it's basically softcore porn. Mm-hmm. Um, which it kind of sounds like it is, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest. And, But I'm like, well, I'm not so concerned about that. I'm concerned about how it's been used to have women, you know, accept their abuse more gratefully, you know, mm-hmm. and and view that as biblical. And so I just think... It's just it's just such a mess, and we just don't take the pain of women seriously. And when we sort of try to do, we just sort of fetishize it. Like, who wants to go watch a movie about people being traumatized like this? Not me. Not me. Right. I was like, I was very upset for a lot of the movie. I'm like, this is, we were watching trauma. Like, we were watching violence, sexual violence. Like, this is not a date night movie. This is not a Christian movie. Churches are renting out entire theaters oh for people gosh. to go watch this. Well, one, one thing I want to just end with okay. that was really poignant as we were talking about it mm-hmm. um, is that piece of her being like, I just want, I just want a cabin. I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And... This refusal, I think it really parallels people that have been through trauma and especially religious abuse, Mm -hmm. right? Being like, I just, I can't do this. Like, this has been too painful for me. I just want to live my life. Just in the woods, yeah. And and then being told, like, no, you need to be in this marriage, right? You need to be in the church. You need to be. You need to be a Christian by the love of a man, right? Exactly what it's about, right? And I'm just like, I just think, like, God is a God that's like, yes, that's exactly what I want for you. Like, I do not want you to come to church if that's a painful place for you. I want what is good for you. I want what is healing for you. I want what is peaceful for you. And the church just continually is like, yeah, but we know what that is. You don't know what that is. Okay, let's let's try and wrap this up and end it on a lighter note. Do you feel like God told you to marry me? No. (laughs) 
the panic on your face. You're like, is she trying to trap me? But um, I feel like you told me that. Well, there's a possibility yes. that I said something similar <laughs> like that to you. Yes. So I'm the Michael Hosea in this scenario. Yes, it's true. Um, however, I was raised in the culture, right? Well, that mm-hmm. That's just the thing you do. Now, looking back on it, you know what it really was? What? You smelled good to me. Mm-hmm. Every other boy who tried to wiggle their way into my good graces, I would be like, maybe the second I got a whiff of them, like up close, <laughs> mm-hmm. and their sweat smell. Now looking back, it was probably because they're just freaking nervous because I'm a really intense, <laughs> intimidating person. So they're probably like had the nervous sweats. But you smelled really good to me, and you were really nice. And I was like, I'll have that man's babies. And that's literally what I told you. That is literally what you told me. Um, but also, I'm in the process of being diagnosed as neurodivergent. So let's also just leave it at that. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, here's the thing. God did tell me to marry someone when I was 17. There we go. 16. Then how'd that work out for you, But God told me to marry this girl named Becca. That you were probably on some sort of a mission trip, right? You're uh-huh. squished into a van. Right. I was on a mission trip. Hours. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I, I still stand by that. I, it is clear as I have heard any God tell me anything in my life, I, which I just say to like. So think about that and then think about the movie you right? just watched, Crispin. Oh and you gosh. need to go back on Twitter uh-huh. and amend what you said. I will. Thank I'm you. going to I now. Thank you. Okay. Do it. Not in a creepy way, but God told me to tell you that you need to change it. Okay. <laughs> well, y'all, thanks for joining us on this journey of watching Christianish movies. Uh, we will have a patron-only episode up this month. I might be talking a bit more in depth about uh, my experiences reading Redeeming Love, maybe reading some passages out of it. I'm going to be talking to some really amazing people uh, to discuss the novel more and, and some of that stuff coming up on the Christian romance season. We're also going to be talking about Christy Miller series, Amish romances, get ready. Oh, Christian Zionism. Like, <laughs> get ready. I'm not going to have any existential crises at all. Nothing to see here, folks. Christian's nervous. I'm going to tell him so much about romance stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure it out. What is it that we are missing? And uh, probably tell some funny romance stories of our own. Because we just gave you a tiny sneak preview of how weird and awkward and bizarre it can get when you are a Christian young adult trying to make sense of the world. Right. We haven't even touched on... I have journals I can read. We haven't even touched on the the time where... I think I've talked about this in a past episode about washing a girl's feet because God told me to. Yes, you did. I can't. I can't. I can't. (laughs) I can't. Okay, so don't let your friends watch Redeeming Love or read it. Yep. And, uh, I co-sign on that. Join us on Patreon. It's just DL Mayfield Patreon. Uh, it's very cheap to support us so that we can keep doing this work because it's hard. I don't want to keep going the Christian romance, but knowing that some people are supporting it helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me, DL Mayfield, on all the socials. And we also have a Twitter account, Prophetic Imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Yeah. Right. yeah. And where can people find you and your book? Yeah. Crispin Mayfield. On Twitter, mm-hmm. it's K double underscore Mayfield, Crispin Mayfield on Instagram and attached to God.com because uh, my publisher is fancy that way. So you, you have like a fancy website that's just about your book. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool, man. 
I mean, it is convenient to just be like, go to attachedtogod.com. Attachedtogod.com. Y'all can find Crispin there. Thanks for listening and be on the lookout for season eight coming up. Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the adventure show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with and sometimes depart from God's in the world. Thanks for listening with us.